Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Managing Director, Charts and Data Operations at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. How's it going, Katie? Not bad. How about yourself? I'm great. Uh, it feels like uh, there are there's an award show for every day of this month that it, there it seems sure like. sure is. Yeah, forget that long weekend for an entertainment journalism or journalist. Sorry. I Anyone not, in entertainment journalism. I did not realize the Emmy Awards were on. Was it Sunday or Monday? Monday. The Monday. Critics' Choice Awards were on Sunday. <laughs> just, and then the Golden Globes were last Sunday. That's correct. And then we get Oscar nominations in what, like a week? And Grammys are 23rd? fast approaching. Yeah, the Grammys are what, the February 3rd, 5th, 4th, something like that? Yeah. Good Lord. And then the Super Bowl. That's not an award show, but it might as well be. Yeah, seriously. Um, okay, well, let's get going. As always, the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a, a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music and guest Interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. I almost forgot our uh, preamble there. How could I have possibly <laughs> done that? Today on the show, we've got chart news on how Teddy Swims gets his first top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart as Lose Control jumps 12 to 8. Meanwhile, Jack Harlow's Lovin' On Me nets a third week atop the Hot 100, while Morgan Wallen's One Thing at a Time returns to number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart for a 17th non-consecutive week and its first week at number one in three months. Plus, we're talking about brand new, very buzzy songs and videos from Ariana Grande and Lil Nas X. We're sharing our first impressions and we'll see what Keith has to say about which one could top the Hot 100, if either of them. So stay tuned for that. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit Billboard.com slash podcasts. OK, let's do the chart chat. First up on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, it's a quiet top 10 for the most part, as Jack Harlow's Lovin' On Me nabs a third week at number one, still gaining at radio, though down in streams and sales. Meanwhile, Teddy Swims grabs his first top 10 as Lose Control bumps 12 to 8 with gains in streams and airplay. The track was released via Swims International, which I'm guessing is probably Teddy's own label, and via Warner Records. The singer has been percolating for a few years now, initially gaining popularity after he went viral with a cover of Michael Jackson's Rock With You in 2019. And in fact, six months after he uploaded his cover, he was signed to Warner Records. Yeah, so, he's got to Teddy. He's got a fantastic voice. It's very like Chris Stapleton esque, but he sings pretty poppy music, kind of pop rock music. So it's kind of fun to hear that sort of gravelly classic rock voice on pop music. Um, and he actually just covered Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer for one of those BBC uh, no. studio sessions. So, um, yeah, he's just got a fantastic voice. And I'm I'm patting myself on the back. You can't see um, because in our five burning questions about uh, the new year, I said I, ex I predicted this was the one that was going to jump into the top 10 because it feels like it has a lot of momentum. And my cricket I, is back. Can you hear him? No, but he just started. Maybe maybe okay. uh, maybe he'll stop. Maybe Cricket is the uh, going to be the third new co-host. <laughs> um, 
And I, for some reason, thought erroneously that he came from a reality TV show. Nope. Oh, no. I. But to your point, I have been hearing about him for years. I remember a friend telling me to listen to him probably back in 2019. Uh, and then it's so it's been really cool to see him have this mainstream success finally after after five years. Yeah. Uh, well, staying with the Hot 100 farther down the list, Sophie Ellis Bexter's resurgent 2001 single Murder on the Dance Floor shimmies 40 spaces, jumping from number 98 to number 58 in its second week on the chart. Uh, the track, which was initially released in 2001 and was a big hit in the UK, but never charted on the Hot 100 until last week, is experiencing popularity and chart fame gleaned from its usage in the film Saltburn. And I can also report that it returned to its peak on the official UK singles chart, which was number two. So it mm. peaked at number two in 2001 and it is back at number two this week. I am like on pins and needles to see if it can get all the way to the top. I, I love this story and I love this song. Wow. Well, lastly, over on the Billboard 200 albums chart, Morgan Wallen's One Thing at a Time is back at number one for the first time in three months and for a 17th non-consecutive week atop the list. The album earned 61,000 equivalent album units in the U.S. in the week ending January 11th, and that was down 4% compared to the previous week, and of course that's according to Luminate. Notably, that's the smallest weekly sum for a number one album since the May 7th, 2022 dated chart when Pusha T's It's Almost Dry debuted at number one with 55,000 units. All this... Uh, I say this all the, I say all this. Yes, I say all this because uh, this past week and the week before would have been a great week to release a new album because you would have had a clear lane to number one. Seriously. But now but, we did get 21 Savages album on Friday. So I guess we're starting to get the more high profile albums now this year. Yeah. So uh, speaking of that, you know, we should see three at least three significant debuts on the on the chart next week. 21 Savage's new album, Kid Cudi's new album. Kaliuchis? Kaliuchis, yeah. Yes. I mean, it's, those are the three uh, orchids, that I'm assuming. Orchids in Spanish. Orqueadas. Orqueadas? <laughs> yes, I believe so. I was like, that's not how you spell or pronounce Kaliuchis. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Orqueadas. <laughs> Orqueadas. And she Gosh, announced I... her pregnancy, too. And she did an interview with Bill Ward while pregnant. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, well, congratulations all around. Right. Um, but yeah. So anyway, we can move on. That's that's the chart news for this week. <laughs> okay. Well, in you know, we're talking new music. There was a some huge singles released last week uh, on Friday. Ariana Grande released her new song. Yes. And which is the lead single from her upcoming seventh album. So let's take a little bit of a listen. Yes. Keith, this feels, do you feel personally targeted by Ariana Grande with this song? Because <laughs> I, I mean, do. <laughs> uh, uh, I will say last week on our also Ariana focused episode. Yes. I was saying that I wanted a dance floor banger. I wanted a dance song. And here, here it is. And here we go. It's yeah. a dance track. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I know that you had, uh, tweeted about uh some rumors that it interpolated vogue do you know what has come of that like there's no actual credits to 
Madonna or Shep Pettibone on this song. So like, was that just like it's it's a, you know, inspired by sort of moment? Oh, I didn't tweet. I think it was on Instagram. Oh, I'm sorry, Instagram. But on Instagram, I had shared that someone who apparently had heard the song before it came out and works for some, I guess, legitimate radio entity. I think it was the UK. Like, I think it was the official charts company that had mm. ru- or sent a rumor out. Did I not see mm. that? No. That was so official UK charts um, did post a story about all of the rumors and rumblings. OK, but that which, was it didn't originate from them. No, it originated from some radio, like a leading like sort of radio account that covers the radio business and said that it interpolated Vogue. However, there is no credits crediting anyone of the sort. So yeah. uh, I think it's just if you're asking me to explain. Yeah. yeah. I think whoever heard the song in advance uh, thought they heard something that echoed Vogue in some capacity and yeah. thought, oh, it must interpolate Vogue. And probably it was a game of telephone and something got mingled in communications. And here we are. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, it it is indebted to Vogue and songs like it. Uh, yes. I mean, there, <laughs> there. I mean, trust me. I when I heard it the first time, I was listening very closely to see if I could hear anything that was a complete sort of homage to a specific song. There are there are percussive moments yeah. in the track yes. that made me think like the. Yeah, like that the little rat tap bit, and then absolutely in the bridge there is a bass line that sounds really close to Vogue. However, the entire song itself is an homage to basically eighty nine to ninety two exactly. pop house dance music yes. that a lot of which Shep Pettibone was involved with. So right. I just think this song is more of an homage to an era of pop dance music. Well, that leads us nicely to the music video, which uh, I was lucky enough. I actually got to watch the video early with uh, our coworker who was able to watch it early. I don't know if that's my allowed to say that. Yeah, we got an early look. People people see things early sometimes. So uh, but we didn't talk about it beforehand. So, you know, we didn't uh, break any rules here. But when I watched the video, I was like, oh, my God, it's Cold Hearted Snake. Like yeah. I and I I mean, Paula Abdul, I've talked about on this podcast before. She was my like childhood icon. I was obsessed with her. Saw her in concert, had all her albums. My first CD was Paula. Uh, so I was just like it was instant. I was like, oh, my God, it's like they're, wa- you know, walking in the people in suits and they're all they're all like critical. And, uh, you know, then even like they cover up the windows with the shades and that happens like so. Yeah, it was a very literal, uh, um, you know, again, homage to Paula Abdul's Cold Hearted Snake video and, you know, mentioning Vogue and mentioning Cold Hearted Snake. And now, yes, and all of those things. Another thing all of those things have in common is a spoken word breakdown, like at the bridge as well or right before the bridge. All of them have spoken word elements, too, which, again, lends to Ari kind of choosing, you know, to uh, pay tribute to this very, you know, specific type of pop i think and yeah. she's got great idols obviously because these are uh icons yeah um I, when i yes when i saw the video for the first time when it 
premiered officially. I did not get a first look. Um, the first thing I thought of was, oh, my God, it's cold hearted. Like not like exactly, but it's clearly referencing very obviously cold. Yes. Um, and then Paula Abdul noticed it, too, and shared a video that compared her cold hearted to yes. And yep. And Paula was like, hey, basically, like you know delighted woke to, up to this amazing tribute basically yeah, yeah. And, and, and and ari responded to responded in, yeah. in a lovely manner yeah and um and uh i added a comment on, oh did on, you i didn't on, see keith's response my my response was something like uh uh bob fossey to paula to ariana the lineage uh, <laughs> because cold-hearted <laughs> itself is based upon a a number in all that jazz so I don't know. I just think it's I just think it's uh, great that we're getting a Ariana Grande song that uh, audio wise references a very specific era that I love and uh, visually references a one of the most iconic pop videos uh, for one from one of our greatest pop stars. So, yeah. Yes. And then. And. And, yes. And uh, <laughs> and lyrically, I, I didn't mention this in our script, but, you know, it's very much like her saying, like, you know, I, let me live my life. You live yours. And uh, obviously, Ari always has some controversial headlines floating around. People have been taking from this what they will. It's sort of hilarious to see people, anyone reacting negatively to this song as if she isn't caring about their opinions about her enough or something, because that's literally what the song is about. The song is about like, let me, you know, do me like my energy is mine and yours is yours. Like, you know, step off, basically. And uh, people got offended even by the idea that, you know, she doesn't want to hear your feedback about her personal life. <laughs> Contro controversial statement. I really don't care about her <laughs> personal life. Uh -huh. I don't care who she's dating. I, I just don't like and like which. So thus. Since I'm I'm sometimes in tune, but mostly not because that's just a, it's something it's that's the part of a pop star life that I don't really care deeply about and usually don't have a lot of knowledge about unless I'm researching them. For unless some you're reason. talking to me. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but yes. So, so when I saw the video, I'm like, God, why is she? Because like the, the way she sings the song, unless you're reading the lyrics, it's kind of hard to hear what she's saying. And. I was like, oh, this is vibey. This is fun. But I wasn't listening really closely. So then when I watched the video, I'm like, God, why is she like, it's like she's really upset at like these sort of naysayer critic like people who are kind of being bitchy about her. And I'm like, I don't get it. So I, it's like all so much of this has kind of flown over my head that while watching the video, I'm like, gosh, this is a really strong reaction. Like, mm, what am I missing? So I think there's a whole segment of people that are not really completely tuned in to what's going on and you know and just enjoying the song and just, like, I, was, I was just enjoying the song and then suddenly the video was like oh it made me go like well what is she getting what is she upset about and i'm like oh right okay i guess it's her her relationships and stuff i guess i don't know yeah people really feel like they and, and she also says directly in the video like not to comment on her body that's something that she's had to address before people saying she's too skinny she's too fat she's whatever like everyone always has a comment about 
anything that they have to say about her. And so this song addresses it all. I think people really like hyper focused in on the romantic relationship part Mm. of like her personal life right now. And again, it's like this. The point of the song is literally going over their heads if they are so like hyper focused on this person's life. Like that is the entire point of what she is saying. And actually, oh, sorry, go ahead. Is it is this is this her human nature in a way? Yes. I mean, that's what I was just going to say. I feel like there's so many uh, examples of pop stars sort of responding to critics via songs. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I think the reason why, to your point, why this one works so well is because you can tune into that and and be like, yeah, sorry, like, you know, forget the critics, forget the haters, whatever. Or you can literally just dance to this song and not care anything or know anything. I just when I, the first time I heard it again, I, I I don't have the lyrics in front of me. I just thought it was like a fun kind of like yes and like you know what's up with you like yeah, you have just sassy, like, just sassy. Don't say anything about me. You live your own life. I will live mine. I mean, Woo. it's that. Yeah, it is that. But yes. But you know. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, it actually leads nicely into the next song, which is Lil Nas X. Um, he released a song called J. Christ, where he also addresses critics in the lyrics. Uh, let's take a listen. Is he under something on the eye? Okay, so let's talk first impressions about this song. I think this is a great transition because this one gave me sort of uh, Doja Cat, uh, you know, paint the town red vibes where it's like she's she's definitely like she addressed her critics in that song and people saying that she was the devil, etc. Feels like Lil Nas X is doing a similar sort of response here, like people, um, you know, like, what's he going to do next? What kind of how is he going to be controversial next? And he his answer to how is he going to be controversial next is he's going to put himself on a crucifix in his music video and compare himself to Jesus Christ is the answer to that question. <laughs> so um, yeah. I have to say, uh, just starting with the video, uh, it feels like it's very much pulling from the same playbook as his Montero Call Me By Your Name video, where it's very, that one was very like devil, hell, Hades, Satan coded. And this one has a little bit of that, but now it's like, now we're going to heaven and now we're playing basketball in heaven and now he's Jesus. <laughs> So I don't know, Naturally. Keith. Do you have any have any thoughts on this song and and video after after checking them out? The video is a visual treat in many ways. High you know, production, high production, and he directed it himself. Apparently, it's tons of visual effects. I mean, I doubt there's a single still shot in the video that is not enhanced by a visual effect right. of some sort. Uh, there's a bunch of celebrity impersonators that are all going to heaven. Um, it's a, it's one of those videos where you want to freeze frame it every so often to be like, okay, who's in the background? Who's in the crowd? What am right. I missing? What is written on that thing in the background? Do I need to decode that for some reason? So I think it's going to be one of those videos where you want to rewatch it to better comprehend and appreciate what he's trying to tell you. I will say the the part of the song that sticks out and hangs with me the most is the chorus, which obviously was probably the intention. But it has that kind of like chanty sing songy thing that is going to possibly earworm its way into people's heads, I think. But that's just me. I don't know. What do you think? I also like I got nervous, actually, when I saw the celebrity impersonators because they teased that before the video came out. And it made me think of Kanye. Kanye's video. 
Yeah. yeah. And so for Famous, um, where he has a Taylor impersonator and and it was just really gross. I mean, they were naked mm-hmm. in that one. That one was just gross. Um, but I, I had that thought. And then when you see this, it's actually like a, a blip in the grand scheme of the music video. And it's not yeah. the main peg of the music video. Um, they're just there at the beginning. And as Keith said, they're, they're ascending to heaven. So it's nice for the celebrities. Um, but there's a lot of Kanye like vibes in here like the song sounds like a Kanye like an old school Kanye song like I thought of Jesus Walks and I thought of um God what was that one with John Legend with the beautiful chorus that I can't think of right now anyway it sounds like a an old Kanye song and then he actually lyrically references Kanye as well um so I think that that was not unintentional um but it's interesting to be like you know uh in this day and age evoking Kanye but I guess if you're somebody if you're evoking the devil and you're evoking Jesus you're trying to touch all the hot rod uh character lightning rod characters here also Uh, the video the video is setting itself up for a sequel because the video ends with sort of a to be continued vibe Yes. And I actually was curious if that was a hint about like a name of his album, because he probably we don't know details yet about when a new album is coming from him. But um, it was like the day after. Right. Like, wasn't that what it's I was like, oh, I wonder if any of that part is going to be like an album title or something or maybe the next song title or something like that. I just I I felt like we were left on a cliffhanger where I'm like, well, you're on a big arc. Yeah. The earth is flooded. (laughs) So what happens next? Uh, um, And then also, uh, I mean, I think uh, I feel like they weren't so much pitted head to head. Ariana and Lil Nas X, as we've seen previously, when like two big stars release something at the same time. But I am curious if you have any kind of preliminary thoughts about whether either of them has a chance to debut at number one on next week's Hot 100 or, you know, who might be more likely to do that. I don't know because I really don't know. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if either one of them debuted at number one. Yeah. Um, They've both done it before. Uh, clearly, people are thinking that both of these have very great shots at debuting very high on the Hot 100 next week. Well, we'll have to stay tuned and uh, please listen to the Billboard Pop Shop podcast next week for the full (laughs) breakdown. Okay, well, now it's time for the chart set of the week. We're going to keep this one simple, Katie, Mm. as we prepare for we assume the inevitable new Ariana Grande album, though we don't really have specifics on when this album is coming. um, We're just going to assume it's on the horizon. Can you tell me? Which of these following Ariana Grande albums did not hit number one on the Billboard 200? Your options are her debut set, Yours Truly, her second album, My Everything, her third full-length studio album, Dangerous Woman, or her most recent studio project, 2020's Positions. Which of those did not hit number one on the Billboard 200? I don't know this, so I'm just going to go ahead and guess yours truly. Nope. Oh, wow. There you go. Well, uh, dangerous woman. You are correct. That is the (laughs) one of those four that did not go to number one. Oh, man. It uh, debuted and peaked at number two behind Drake's Views, which was in its fourth week at number one uh, that week. Wow. Wow. you know, and also Views spent 13 weeks at number one. So, you know, tough competition. But yeah. Also, uh, Drake and Ariana share labels. So, you know, they kept it within the, the Republic Records family, though I'm sure Ariana would have loved to have had a number one album. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they thought they'd be safe in the fourth week, but that was a big album. Yeah. Um, well, there you have it. A little... Uh, 
uh, stroll down Billboard 200 memory lane with Ariana Grande. A stroll down Honeymoon Avenue. Oh, yes, there we go. <laughs> um, anyway, there's there's a chart. <laughs> um, we reached the end of our big show. Any parting words, Katie? Well, I, I wanted to bring up, uh, I didn't do a full-blown news item on this, but... Elton John is now uh, an EGOT winner after uh, Monday night's Emmy Awards. He won uh, an Emmy for his farewell from Dodger Stadium Disney Plus special. And that's all he needed to complete the the uh, the EGOT. So he, he is one of only 19 individuals to win the Emmy, the Grammy, the Oscar and the Tony all in competitive categories. Yeah. And uh, it was such a big deal that even uh, President Joe Biden uh, congratulated Elton John on his Emmy that. win today. He's uh, not even from America. <laughs> <laughs> Did you want to go out on an Elton John song? I think that would make sense. Right. But which one? I mean, probably Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, because that was like the theme of his tour. Right. That, that's fitting. We'll go out on that. <laughs> and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.